Hello and welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl just trying to figure out her life. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Are you getting tired of that intro? Is that what's up? I was trying up? to be clever. Yeah. It just wasn't. I don't have you want to try again? I don't have the muse this evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just got off the phone with our internet radio show that we were guests on, so we're a little talked out yeah. right now. But well, I think, I think we can still muster. I've got another hour left. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> no, that was cool. That was really cool. They yes. did great things. That was amazing. So if you missed... The live broadcast, that's fine. It'll be archived for eternity. Mm. And is that a good thing? I'm not sure. I think that's a good thing. Only if you have the correct names, tokens, and signs. Oh, then you can access it. Save it for Mormon phrase <laughs> oh, of the day. you're right. Okay, no, sorry. Everyone can listen to it for free. Blogtalkradio.com slash stand-up-international. Thank you, Shelley. You're welcome. I didn't have it handy. Had it. So you can just, we're archived there somewhere. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how that works, but you could probably just search Latter-day Lesbian, we'll I'm imagining. Up. Yep. Okay, so that was cool. So what was that like for you, Shelley? I enjoyed it. Um, that was our first time, both of us together, being interviewed, which is really fun. Yeah, I liked it. I liked being able to tell some of my story, hopefully, to a bunch of new listeners. Well, the whole purpose of Stand Up International is to empower women, in particular, who haven't felt like they have a voice, who have felt oppressed in some cases, definitely marginalized. And it's an opportunity for women to gather together all across the globe to give each other courage, inspire one another, share our stories, so that uh, women who do feel that, you know, maybe they're afraid to leave a bad situation mm-hmm. or they had just haven't found their voice to be able to stand up for themselves, this is giving them the courage to do that. Right. So it's an opportunity for women everywhere to just share their stories to inspire others. I really. love it. What a great idea. Yeah, it was and a great so idea. I'm so glad we could be part of it. I know. Super I feel cool. honored for that. Yeah. That was a- so thanks for the invite. Yes. Thank you so much. And they said they want to have us back. So we'll mm-hmm. let you know. You know. Good for them, I guess. <laughs> good for them. Or good luck to them. Yes, I'm not luck. sure. <laughs> good luck to them. Yeah, I'm trying to keep the dogs out right now. Today we are recording from the our master bedroom closet. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Uh, because we decided we have exciting news once again. We are going to be <laughs> recording ourselves on video. At some point, yes. At some point, recording ourselves. What do you say? We're video recording our podcast? Well, it's not film anymore, is it? So what do you call it? I guess videotaping. It's we are, not tape It's either. not tape. We are video... Know, what do people say? What video do recording. Say? I don't know. <laughs> recording on video? We are recording on... We will start recording on video our as we record our podcast. Yeah, good luck to everybody checking that out. Yeah, that that'll be a good be time. <laughs> so we were trying to find a space that we could do that and have good lighting, and basically the lighting in our house is shit for that. So... Well, we, it's also oh, and sound. The sound. sound is really good in this room. That's true. Yeah, because it's, it's a closet. A, it's a, <laughs> we've got clothes and stuff in here. <laughs> my, my rack of pumas, um, pumas and vans, because I'm a lesbian. Yeah, you do have a shoe type. Pumas, vans, and uh, CrossFit shoes, and Adidas. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's about the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like these ones. Okay, all right. All right. Anyway, tracked. So yeah, we're in. We're in the closet. Uh, how do you want to start? Well, we talked about, should we talk about what we did over the week? And then I looked at my calendar. I didn't do anything important. No, I canceled a bunch of engagements because yeah, I was... Yeah, we were so busy. Yeah. Was, you were a little under the weather yesterday. Yeah, haven't been feeling well. Yep. But um, I'm better. Good. Thankfully. And uh, I've just been busy 
doing videos and for Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, we should probably jump into our Patreon yes, uh, we, subscribers. Let Please me don't call anyone a whore this week. <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, no one said that they didn't want a shout out this week, so we're just going to use their names. Okay. And we have, sorry, I keep counting them forgetting, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine new patrons. That's and awesome. I, I am so excited about that because... These people will now have access to our really cool bonus videos. (laughs) Are they what? (laughs) Really cool. (laughs) Well, I know personally two of them. No, no. Are are our videos cool? Oh, I know the people. Yeah, our videos. Have (laughs) you you seen them? (laughs) Have I seen them? Have you seen? Yeah, like sixty times you've seen our videos because I edit them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they're really cool. I think they're fun. Yeah. I think they're funny. I think they're, I don't know, I like, I like them. And you we're like still them. doing them. We're going to do them, damn it. Don't think that, you know, you subscribe and then you look and there's only three videos up. We are constantly working on getting more videos up. We just started. And so there will be more and more videos. So be be excited. And we just appreciate your support. It really does go a long way. So thank you. Yeah, for All right, sure. Here's our people. Okay. Number one, Brenda W. Can I just say this, Brenda W. and I have been through hell and back as friends, and we will always be friends, and she's a fantastic supporter. Also, Diana E., another fantastic Exmo friend of mine. I love the Exmos. Your friends have to pay you to be their friend? Is that how it works? Essentially. I'm like, Patreon, and we're done. (laughs) that's why i have no friends left no i'm kidding uh let's see annalee thank you so much goose what a great name goose that's cool i know i'm like do you want to go by goose or something else he said goose (laughs) oh and somebody um who's a connection of mine that i didn't actually realize ro thanks for listening and for the wonderful message thank you yeah so we are sort of cousins i'm related to her daughter's Yes. Crazy, crazy world. I know. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Also, we have Ann M. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. Cassandra K. It's a lot of K's. Cassandra K. <laughs> Kaylee G. Okay. And our good friend, Jax S. Thanks to everybody for... Was that everyone? It was it? Brenda, Ann, Annalie, Goose, Diana, Cassandra, Kaylee, Jax, Rowe. Okay. Got them. Got them in there. So thanks, thanks so much, guys. Thanks for everybody mm-hmm. for uh, for your support. It means so much to us. Love that. And we're going to keep trying to crank out the content. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we were contacted by some friends of ours who have a Kickstarter campaign because they are wanting to make a movie. And I'm pretty excited about this movie. It is called City of Salt, a murder mystery with greater purpose. So it's a it's a film about a popular high school girl who goes missing in the midst of her father's political campaign. Authorities and those close to her attempt to unravel the mystery surrounding her disappearance from Salt Lake City, Utah. So the reason I'm excited about this because it's not just a murder mystery film. It's much more. It's all about impacting positive social change. It speaks up for the LGBTQ community while addressing many other issues we have going on today. Sounds cool. Yeah, so guys, check it out. Just go to kickstarter.com and look for City of Salt, and it will come up. There's lots of pictures and more in-depth description, and check it out and give them some support. It'd be awesome. Okay, I like it. There you go. Should we go into the segment that we have come up with? Yes. Okay, so this segment is called The Fucked Up Mormon Phrase Phrase of of the the day. Day. Cue the music. It's the Fucked Up Mormon Phrase of the Day. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be so good what's the phrase of the day today shelly the phrase of the day today mary is tender mercy tender mercy what do you mm. think that is tender mercy wait wait, wait. before you say anything, say anything listeners if you know what it is raise your hand <laughs> <laughs> okay um this is 
let's see. If you don't sing Elvis songs oh God. like Love Me Tender, you have your temple recommend taken away. Is that it? Am I close? So wrong. It's <laughs> not so, right. So wrong. <laughs> I think the truth is actually better than that. It's that good. <laughs> what is it? So where did this stem from? I don't know how many of our listeners actually know where this came from. It was Elder Bednar, who is probably one of the biggest jackasses in the church. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> okay. If you're listening, Elder Bednar, <laughs> I like oh, he's right, listening. Right, no right. way. Uh, so I actually looked this up. It was on the uh, Mormon website. And he says, this is his story, after being called as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, right before he stood to speak to the congregation, they sang his favorite hymn. So he said, a loving Savior was sending me a most personal and timely message of comfort and reassurance through a hymn selected weeks previously. So it's an Elvis song. (laughs) So what he's saying is that he was called to be a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and he was getting up to address this congregation for for the first time, and just turns out that the song that, that they sang was his favorite hymn. And that's called Tender Mercy. And that's called Tender Mercy. He also says, their personal and individualized blessings and guidance that we receive from Jesus. They could be things that are like when a thought solves a problem or a story that's provided an answer. Hmm. So here's what I have to say about that. Oh, all right. Let's hear it. So he's saying a tender mercy is a thing from God that like lets you know he's there, lets you know that you're right, um, gives you an answer to a problem. Here's the thing about tender mercies. If your tender mercy happens to go against the teachings of the church, it's actually not from God. It's from the devil. Okay. For example, when Brent and I were looking into leaving the church, I had a lot of, I would say, spiritual confirmations that me departing from the church was the right thing to do. For example, when I decided that polygamy was bullshit and was made up and that God actually didn't want me to be an oppressed woman for eternity. Mm -hmm. I knew in my heart that that was an incorrect principle. Polygamy was not of God. Okay. But I couldn't go to my bishop and say, yeah, you know what, bishop, there was a tender mercy and God (laughs) solved a problem in my mind by telling me that polygamy is wrong. Because he'd say, no, 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 no. Yeah, sure. That goes against the teachings of the church. Mm -hmm. So you need to pray until your mind is changed to align with the teachings of the church. Yeah. So a tender mercy is only tender mercy if it's what your priesthood leader above you would tell you is true. Mm-hmm. Well, how convenient. Yeah. Um, by the way, there may be some dog growling and things in the background. They're just outside this door. Yeah, they don't like that we're in the closet, so they're just going to fight right. <laughs> they're like, come out of the closet. We we are. <laughs> we just went back in it's just, just temporary. to record. Uh-huh. It's temporary. Uh-huh. Yeah, so this may be the dog growly episode. It happens. Yeah. So, Mary, mm. have you ever had a tender mercy in your life? A tender mercy. This is like God speaking to you? Mm-hmm. In a tender a mercy, like a coincidence or like a... Oh, gosh. I love coincidence stories. Mm-hmm. I collect them. In wait, fact, wait, wait. But if a coincidence story is something that makes you think the church is not true, that's not from God. Well, I've never thought the church was true. <laughs> Good point. Do you want to hear my co- coincidence I do. story or not? I do. I just was pointing out that if <laughs> okay. it goes against God, it's not a tender mercy. Okay. So, right, listeners... If you have a coincidence story, I want to hear about it. And maybe we'll read them on the air. They're so cool. So here's mine. I was in Alexandria, Virginia for a week. Didn't know anybody. Super lonely. Very depressed. This is when I moved to this area from Atlanta, Georgia, about four and a half years ago, I think it was. Mm -hmm. 
I um, decided to try to lift my spirits by going to a restaurant, but sitting at the bar and eating and talking to people. That's what I like to do sometimes when I just want companionship or be around people, that sort of thing. Because I knew nobody. I was all by myself. Yep. So I get to this one particular place that I'd seen on a map. I read their menu. I liked what their, you know, their food offerings or whatever. I get there and there's this couple sitting at the bar. There's no seats at the bar except for this one seat by this one couple I sit down and we start to have a conversation. She's asking me some questions. I tell her I'm from Atlanta. She said, oh, well, do you like the Indigo Girls? And I thought she knew I was a lesbian, (laughs) but she didn't, actually. (laughs) That's code. So do you like the Indigo Girls? (laughs) This is a straight married couple. Okay. No, she just likes music, and um, she really liked the Indigo Girls. This is my friend Kate. Hi, Kate, if you're listening. Hi, Kate. And uh, I said, yeah, sure. I like, sure, I like the Indigo Girls. Why not? Because, you know, they're a local Georgia band. Or at least they were local at one time before mm-hmm. they got big. And then she said, okay, this is obscure, but do you like Michelle Malone? Michelle Malone is friends with the Yonago girls. I think she dated one of them. She's opened for their band a million times. I said, actually, yeah, I do like Michelle Malone. In fact, uh, one of my best friends is her drummer. And Kate's like, get out of here. And I'm like, what? She said, 10 years ago, for my 40th birthday, we were living in... Indiana, Michelle Malone and her drummer, your friend, came to play my private birthday party. That's crazy. What are the odds? That's a tender mercy. That's a tender mercy. Mm -hmm. So I immediately felt this rush of connection. My homesick feelings felt, you know, they were abated for a while because I just felt connected. She knew my friend. Um, I texted my friend, uh, LB in Decatur, Georgia. Hi, LB, if you're listening. And just said... Do you remember playing this private party in Indiana 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. What's funny is she's like, well, we played so many of them back then. I really don't. But the crazy thing is they ended up coming to the area, playing at Wolf Trap, Michelle Malone and my friend. And they ended up doing a private party again for my friend Kate's 50th birthday party. <laughs> Every 10 years. <laughs> Every 10 years we're going to do this. So I just thought that was such a cool feeling of connection. I love it. And I didn't feel so alone coming to this new area And Kate and her husband, Mark, and I are still friends to this day. That is beautiful. So there you go. There's my tender mercy. I love it. Yeah. So listeners, if you have a tender mercy story Mm -hmm. that doesn't involve the Mormon church. Doesn't involve the patriarchy or the church being true. (laughs) Yeah, we want to hear them. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. I like it. Thank you. You're welcome. I like it too. What's next? Um, how about some listener emails? Let's do it. I'm going to hit one with you first. I'm going to make you keep talking. Okay. Because I did most of the talking in the near interview. I'm a little bit parched. Are you? <laughs> do you need, I've got water in here if you're thirsty. Uh, if you want to turn that water into wine, that would be a tender mercy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that miraculous. Damn it. Okay. Mm-hmm. This one is from Linda E. She says, a question for Mary. Okay. When you met Shelly, was her former Mormonism off-putting to you? I asked because it was for me, even though my husband had been out of the church for years, or boyfriend, I guess, I don't know. I kept worrying that he would relapse or that he would have deep-seated attitudes and I wouldn't want to deal with it. Really enjoying the podcast. Oh, well, thanks for listening. So was my former Mormonism off-putting to you? Um, I don't, I'm going to say no, only because you were so out of the church. I, I just didn't picture you ever relapsing. It was mm-hmm. such a horrific experience for you. Yeah. I think it might be different for other people who have who had a good experience, but maybe along the way it just turned out it wasn't for them for whatever right. reason. Right. Um, but it was so horrible. You were an abused woman, basically, by this church. Yes. And there is no going back no. for you. No. Yeah. So it's, I think that's why it's okay for me. I don't mm-hmm. ever worry that you're going to relapse and go back to the church. That that would not work. Well, I wouldn't yeah. do it. 
Yeah, no, I know. But I, yeah, I think that you knew I was so out and so damaged and had started to really recognize the damage and the anger was so much that there yeah. was no way you'd think that I would want to go back. No, there's yeah. no going back. Especially, Especially at now. that point I was gay. <laughs> well, there's there's that. And now we've done a, we're doing a podcast yeah. that's fairly anti-Mormon, I would say. I would say, <laughs> I, I think we might be down to one and a half Mormon listeners at this point. If you're hanging in there. <laughs> They're dropping like flies. Props, baby. Hang in there. I would love to get some messages from any current Mormon listeners. Have we completely just pissed you off at this point? <laughs> I don't, know. Curious. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, the other aspect to it is just, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Some of the stuff. You That's know? true. You know, we never, not that we, not that we run out of anything to talk about now because we're so damn chatty. Um, <laughs> it's true about it's us. It's true. Uh, but especially when we first met and you didn't know anything about Mormonism and I was so trying to process everything at once with my religion, with my marriage, with my everything, my childhood. And I just unloaded on you, and you it was almost like it was a train wreck that you had to watch, <laughs> like, and you just needed more. Well, I suggested you go to therapy. <laughs> that was probably like the fourth thing out of your mouth. <laughs> like, you might have some stuff to work out. Yeah, and I huh. did. I did eventually go to therapy. But um, yeah, you find it fascinating, and that's good. I'm glad it's not boring to you. This also goes no. back to you being very supportive of me needing to heal. And again, I really appreciate that. You have never said, God, just get over it. No, no. Gosh, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, I, I am totally in this with you as far as your journey and your process. I get it. Thank you, baby. Um, I was not raised in a cult, but I certainly was raised in an oppressive religion, and I understand what mm-hmm. that feels like. So I am all for your recovery mm-hmm. uh, and, and getting to the other side, which, you I mean, you do every day. Sure. I think I have things that still hurt me that I wish didn't. For example, now that I'm thinking about it, I do this dumb thing. Is it though dumb? It's not. not. I don't want to call myself dumb. I can be dumb, but I do this (laughs) thing where I, I just want my family and by my family, I mean my brothers and my parents and my brother's wives because I've known them for so long. I just, I just want them to be interested in my life again. I just want them to tell me good job. I will probably, I hope not, but I might always seek admiration from men just because of my crappy upbringing in that way. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to get through that. I'm trying to not care as much, but it's still really hardwired into me to need a man above me, like older than me or in some sort of position above me to approve of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on that, but clearly it's still there. I started a Facebook group, a private group with me and my brothers and their wives and my parents, but my parents don't really know how to use Facebook, so they really don't participate. But every few weeks, I'll pop in there, and no one really keeps this thing active but me, typically. I'll pop in there and say, hey, guys, what's going on? What's, you know, what, what's your plans this weekend? And people start to say, oh, we're doing this, and so-and-so had a doctor's appointment, and, well, we're so proud of so-and-so, she entered the mission field, and I'll reply with, oh, that's so great, she'll be a great missionary, and uh, anyway, people were just talking about what they were doing, everyone was replying, and then I said, hey, great news, Mary and I are going to be in Utah. For Pride Weekend. Well, I didn't say that first, I said we're going to be in Utah June 1st and 2nd, and my one sister-in-law was like, oh, we're going to be out of town, which they are, they're going on a cruise or something, and I said, oh, that's too bad, I would love to see you, and then... I said, we're so excited. We're going to be there for Utah Pride. And also Sunstone wants to interview us. They're trying to find like a venue and an audience. And I don't know. I just think this is super exciting because the, the podcast is doing so well. 
Yeah, which we haven't actually announced that on our podcast, so there you go. There you go. There's your announcement. <laughs> I, oh, I don't have a lot of details. Who knows? It might fall through. I don't yeah. know. But but currently, that's the state. It's in the, the planning process. And I'm super excited. So I said sure. this, and all of this conversation that was going back and forth between me and my brothers just ended. Yeah, crickets. Crickets. Silence. This is not the first time it's happened. And... You know, maybe a few minutes later, someone piped up with, oh, so how's David feeling? You know, like asking about my other brother or whatever. And it was just... They just ignored your comments. They just ignore it. And that still hurts. It's like, you don't, ha- you don't have to tell me, wow, I really am supportive of you and your cause. Because right. I know you're not. Right. I'm not supportive of your kids going on missions. I think that it's damaging. How about you don't say that? Because it's not my place. Because they're not my kids. Because my place to say, you know what? I bet she'll be a great missionary. But you don't believe it. No. No, no. She probably will be a great missionary. If she's having a good time, she's having a good time. I'm not going to be negative. You don't feel like you're saying anything untrue in those. No, not at all. Okay. But I can ask questions. I've asked, so what what city is she in? Uh And they're like, oh, she's in Dallas or whatever it was. I don't remember. Um, But I'm showing interest in my family. Yeah, I get it. Interest in my family. So they could ask you questions. They could have said, oh, Sunstone. Wow. Um, what kind of questions do you think they'll ask you? Right. Is that so hard, family? If you're listening, is that so hard to ask me a or question? Where do you think this will take place? Yeah, anything. Listen, family, if you're listening, I know you don't approve of my life. I know this. Just because you ask me questions about it and are halfway interested in my life doesn't mean you approve. And I get it. You can still ask me questions. Just be interested in me. Right. And I don't know why I keep setting myself up to be hurt this way. I really need to just stop trying because it has not panned out well. Yeah. It's like I just keep trying to just see, you know, maybe maybe this time. Maybe this time they'll they'll ask a question. Maybe this time they'll say, wow, 20,000 downloads. You guys are working hard. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe this time. But no. There's fucking never going to be this time. Right. And it's exhausting and it hurts me and it ruins my day. It ruins my week. I'm sorry. Thank you, sweetie. And I just want to tell them, I want to tell them how they're making me feel. Yeah. But that is really going to be hard for me. And so I'm stuck with, well, do I just quit trying and not say anything? Or do I tell them, this is how you're making me feel, and then quit trying? What do I do? That's a good question. So what do you do? I don't know. And I know I'm not the only one struggling with this. My dear friend, Jesse from SMRL Podcast she has been struggling the same way. You know, she shared this with me, and I really appreciate it. I hope I'm not outing you, Jesse. Sorry if I am, but deal with it. Um, <laughs> she was struggling because she feels like I think a lot of us do that when she's around her Mormon family, she has to really walk on eggshells. Mm-hmm. And she does, and she watches what she says, and she tries to not be offensive. And then she asked one, like, I don't even know what the question was, but it wasn't anything dramatic, anything negative. But she asked a question, and her Mormon family just blew it up. Wow. And she got yelled at and got made to feel like crap. Is that better or worse than silence? I would rather have the interaction. I would love for one of my brothers to be like, why are you even doing this stupid podcast? I would take that with more love than I do the silence. Because when they don't even make a like a snide remark, I can't say anything. Yeah. I can't say, hey, thanks for asking, dick. Thanks for asking. Here's why. And then I can at least give something and explain myself and say, hey, you know what? This podcast is helping thousands of people. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. But I I can't because they don't say anything. So I, I sort of throw things out there. 
hoping to inspire a conversation just like I give them. I ask them questions about their shit. Yeah. Ask me about my shit. Mm-hmm. I would love for them to be pissed off and, and say something mean about the podcast. And then I can say, hey, you know what? Actually, these people have had these same experiences and I'm helping them. And it yeah. feels good to finally be helping someone. You know, just just so I can say something. But when no one asks, it's not like I can go into the group and be like, hey, let me tell everyone about the podcast, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I guess I could, but they wouldn't even read it. Right. It wouldn't have yeah. an effect. Yeah, that's um, true. It sucks for me that I'm realizing that my family is not interested in anything that's important to me anymore. I wonder if that's it. Like, my mother has done the same thing. For her, though, I think it's if she shows any interest or acknowledges it at all, it feels like giving approval. Yeah, that's my family. That's that's Mormonism in a nutshell right there. Yeah. Avoid even the appearance of evil. Right. Oh, that should be on our our, uh, fucked up Mormon phrase. Okay. Well, thanks for ruining it. (laughs) Next week. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) We have two of them. Yeah. (laughs) It's the same reason why they won't acknowledge my tattoos or my nose piercing, Mm -hmm. because they think if they say something that, that I'll think they approve of it. Hey, guys, guess what? I was a Mormon for 40 years. I know what you don't approve of. Yeah. And just because you mention it doesn't mean I suddenly think you approve. I know you don't approve of me. I know you don't approve of my lifestyle. You want to know why I know? Because I was a Mormon for 40 years. You want to know what else? I know what the church teaches about gay people. Mm -hmm. And not one of my family, and I think I said this last episode, not one of my family has called me or texted me saying, hey, you know what? I don't agree with what they're saying about gay people. Right. Not a one. Yeah. So all I can do is assume that they agree. Yeah. And that fucking sucks. I'm sure that's what they think. So question for you, Shelley. Yes, Mary. What advice do you give listeners who are in this similar situation who feel like they are constantly needing people's approval, especially family members, let's say, who they're they're never going to get it? Like, what do you tell people who are in the same boat that need approval and they're not going to get it? You know what? I am great at giving advice that I can't take myself. Let's hear it. What I would say was I would say if it's a cancer, cut it out. If they bring you down, cut them off. You don't need that. They don't value you. They don't appreciate you. Then cut them off. You don't need that. But in reality, it's not that easy because I have these thoughts run through my head like my parents are getting older and older and older and they're going to die eventually. They're getting old. And am I going to feel so horrible that there was just not really relationship with them, you know? Yeah. Or do I keep trying and keep being hurt, but somehow trying to have some kind of relationship so that I don't feel guilty and bad when they die? And I'm like, oh, shit, there was no relationship. I don't know. It's tough. It is. I'm in the same boat with my mother. Yeah, I mean, she's getting old. She's going to die. I think that if it were anyone else, you would just not have anything to do with them anymore. Yeah, and I have done that with some people. I've mm-hmm. um, I've fired some friends in the past. That sure. It's easy to get rid of friends compared to family. family. I get it. And some Sometimes people, your family treats you worse than anyone, though. Oh, for sure they do. Yeah. And we know people who have cut themselves off from their family. Mm-hmm. For sure we know people like that. And I've been tempted in my own situation, but I don't, and I keep at it. You know, one snide remark from my mother can level me for like two days. Yeah. I get it completely. Yeah. I get it completely. Yeah. So what do we do? We have this, I feel this obligation. She's in her eighties. I feel this obligation to have a relationship with her. She's mm-hmm. the only mother I have mm-hmm. and, and it's really hard, but I, I keep at it. Yeah. I set really good boundaries with her for the most part. Yeah. Not yeah. always, but right. for the most part. And that is something that's helpful. And I can I can walk out of those situations feeling 
that I did stand up for myself, even though she'd said something shitty, Mm -hmm. I can still feel like I didn't stand for that. Like I let her know how that made me feel. Yeah. And that's helpful. See, I can't do that with my family because they don't say anything. They're not saying anything at all. And, you know, our good friend Kimberly, she brought up a great point. She said, when you have expectations and they're here, no one can see what I'm doing with my hand, but your expectations are here. They're high. And my expectation, all my freaking expectation is for my family is to take interest in me at all. Just the tiniest bit. When I say something, ask something about it. Mm -hmm. My expectation is here and they are at zero. Mm -hmm. They never, they don't even come close. And why do I keep trying to get them to fulfill my expectation when clearly they're not capable of it? I should just stop trying because it just hurts. And when someone doesn't meet an expectation, then that is called pain and disappointment and sadness and just freaking wrecks my day. So why I'm the one who starts it. I'm the one who sets it up. I'm the one who says something hoping they'll be polite and kind in return and it just doesn't happen. I should just stop. So why don't you? I don't know because every time I do it, the three days later when I'm finally over the hurt and I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. This is bullshit. I'm done. I am done. And then a few weeks go by and then I'm just like, oh, my family, my family. And I try again, and they disappoint me again, and it hurts just as much again. Well, I'm not a therapist, so I can't offer you advice. (laughs) Any therapist listening? Help me. I don't know. I think if it were me, I'd probably stop trying. I'd let them. I'd put the ball in their court. You know, you've certainly reached out enough. Maybe they can reach out. If they have a tender mercy, they will feel moved to reach out to you. You never know. You know what we should do? What? We should get like a bulletin board or whatever and make hashtags every day that goes by that they don't (laughs) say something in the family group. You could also confront them about it. This is true. I'm not much of a confronter. I would love to. I just, again, and and ex-Mormon listeners, you will understand this. It feels like if you confront something, they are going to look at you like, oh, you're just an angry ex-Mormon. You see, if you hadn't left the church, you wouldn't be so angry. It's like, no, Dick bags. I'm not angry. I'm hurt. <laughs> Dick Sorry. <bags>. I'm hurt. <laughs> and hurt comes out as anger. It just does. I'm hurt. Yeah. Dick I hear that. I heard that in you. <laughs> but they're not going to say, oh, wow, we've really hurt Shelly. They're going to say, oh, Shelly's just, her soul is. She's an angry feminist. She's an angry feminazi ex Mormon. <laughs> if she would just stayed in the church and, yeah. you know, she wouldn't be so angry. Yeah. Well, you know, you're just looking for a real relationship, real connection with these people. We have better connections with our listeners than we have with some of our family members. You're so right. Like literally speaking for just myself on this, and I'm sure it applies to you as well. I have closer friendships and connections with listeners to our podcast that I have never met in real life. Mm -hmm. Even that I've never even talked to. Yeah. I have better connections Mm -hmm. than I do with my own family. I know. We love our LDL listeners. <laughs> yeah, we do. Y'all are amazing. Seriously, yeah. you uplift us. Thank you. For sure. It's a two-way street, babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one, Shelly. And, that, and it, the answer's never going to be easy on what yeah. to do, you know? Yeah. I don't think the answer is cutting off your family necessarily, but, I mean, you might decide that in the long run. I don't know what you're going to decide. Well, here's the thing about cutting off my family. It's not like a guy can suddenly just stop replying to them and cut them off. They don't talk, except for my parents. My brothers and their wives don't really um, instigate conversations very much. So it's not like I, like they wouldn't notice if I did cut them off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't want to. I just, 
I want them to be interested in my life like I'm interested in theirs. I could tell you a thousand things about their lives right now, and I bet they could only tell you two about mine. That you're she gay started, and She's gay, <laughs> and she started a podcast, and she's ruined her life. <laughs> and you're, not, you're no longer going to the Celestial Kingdom or whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, she did, they, they don't know about the viewers that I connect with. They don't know. Listeners. Sorry, they don't. Well, I can now say viewers because of the after show. <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, they don't know about me anymore, and that's sad. They haven't tried. Yeah, I know that's sad. Maybe I need to try harder. Maybe I need to be more interested in their lives as well. Aren't you, though? Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know. Maybe you need to go back to JR. <laughs> <laughs> JR, if you're listening, I need an appointment. <laughs> and I love JR. He's the best. Yeah, you haven't been in a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a struggle for you. Thank you. So anyway, um, listeners, if you have advice for me, I would love it. Thank okay. you. All right. Well, that is definitely food for thought. Oh, you have a, a, a listener email as well. Okay. I do. So this listener message is from Carrie. Carrie writes, Mary and Shelley, I have been wanting to message you for quite some time. I love your podcast. Thank you, Carrie. I am an ex-Mormon mom of six kids. I was married at 19, totally in the church. I did everything for the church. I'm not gay, but I love hearing your story. Well, thank you. I love those straight people. (laughs) I love straight people, too. One thing I found is after my faith crisis, it is like something changed. I saw my rose-colored glasses come off, and I saw the world, the people, and loved everyone. I love having no judgment towards anyone. I love to hear about people's journeys. I love you both. I'm sorry you have crappy people who troll and say nasty things. We might need another, another roast the troll segment. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There's always there's always a few. Mm-hmm. Just know that you are both amazing, and I'm I'm excited to hear all your stories. And I don't mind that it skips around. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I do the same thing when I'm talking to someone about my journey, because with a church, there are so many nooks and crannies, hurt, lies, and everything. Sending my love to you both, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So this had reminded you of something. It did when she talked about being able to see people because she didn't have to judge them anymore. Oh, my gosh. Can I relate? When I decided that Mormonism was shit and people were here for us to love and not to judge, I was shocked at how easily I was able to love people. I started volunteering at the Lamb Center, which is a, I think I brought this up just this episode. Anyway, uh, homeless people come and eat meals there and they can get services and things. You talked about it before on this podcast and you also talked about it on the um, the radio show. That oh, that's right. Know. That's where I just talked about it. And when I was Mormon, I had a lot of judgment about these homeless people. It was also talked about my family, like, oh, these homeless people, they just panhandle and they make all this money panhandling and, you know, they're all alcoholics and don't give them any money because they're just going to go buy cigarettes and booze. Wow, and family thought this way? Oh, gosh. I will tell you a story about that. Um, okay. And so I had adopted these opinions as my own. So I started volunteering at this place and these people that before I would have looked at as it's their own fault that they're homeless. If they didn't cut all the ties off with their families, they would have somewhere to go. If they didn't get themselves addicted to drugs, they would have somewhere to go. Um, they wouldn't be in this awful situation. I used to think those things, yeah. and I feel horrible that that I did. And after leaving the church, A, and working to help these people, 
my attitude just changed. I actually, I volunteered to cut their hair. I know you were given a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. And so these, these people would come in off the streets who had extremely overgrown hair and there's something very, I think, intimate with giving haircuts sure because you're very in each other's space and Mm -hmm. so i would give haircuts to these people that had not showered um that did not have great hair Mm -hmm. and it was weird because i don't like touching people's hair and scalps and stuff i guess you got over that pretty quickly and that was that's the thing it's like suddenly i i love these people and as i was cutting their hair i was doing the best job i could and i would talk to them like they were human beings you know and i didn't used to think that way wow yeah and i would talk to them and my heart would go out to them and they would just start to tell me about their lives Mm. and it didn't take long for me to realize there's a reason these people are having a rough life sure they didn't just decide one day, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm sick of working. Yeah, I'm sick of working. I'm just going to go hook, get hooked on drugs. Mm-hmm. No, they have tragic stories. Sure, sure they do. Um, and there is a lot of mental illness there. Yeah. And I just was able to love them. Mm-hmm. And I used to just look forward to going in on Tuesdays and cutting their hair and just talking and making them look better. And I got to where I could trim their beards and make them look all professional. And nice. I just loved it. I enjoyed it. And my dad, by the way, didn't like that I was volunteering at this homeless shelter because well, it, because it's not a Mormon place. It's a Lutheran. Uh, well, not Lutheran. It's non-denominational, I think. It's, it's a bunch of different things. Okay. Again, shout out to the Lamb Center. It's amazing. and It's in Fairfax. Well, are there centers like that that are Mormon that you could have volunteered no. at? <laughs> well, then have you we... met the Mormons? <laughs> they have more money than God. They just don't do much with it. <laughs> well, then you couldn't have... Here's the thing. I don't even know Here's the say. thing. My dad was ticked off that I had left the church mm-hmm. at this point. And if I had been spending that kind of time, it was like four hours every Tuesday. It's not like it was my entire life. Mm-hmm. If I had spent that kind of time doing something in the church, mm-hmm. in the Mormon church, like, I don't know, going to some dumb meeting, who knows, some meeting or something, my dad wouldn't have said a word. He would have, sure. he would have said, I'm so proud of you for doing your calling, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But because I had left the church and I was now spending time in a different kind of religious organization, um, something worthwhile. Something worthwhile. It made him angry. Yeah. And the one time they came out to visit, my dad said to me, I know you think those homeless people need you, but your kids need you at home. It was four hours a week. I know. I still hadn't had the practice of standing up to my dad yet. Yeah. So I just And with my dad, it's like he'll say some dumb shit and you don't realize how hurtful it is until like six minutes later and the topics change and you want to be like, hey, whoa, 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 wait, 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 dad, dad, mm-hmm. dad. You, you're a jerk. Like, you want to go back six minutes and re, <laughs> and have that time. Because it's always mind-blowing what he yeah, says. Yeah, I get it. My mother can do that to me, too. Yeah. So, to explain a little bit my attitudes that I had previously about homeless people, I was trying to connect with my dad. And I, I had left the church, and I knew he was disappointed in me, and I was trying to connect with him. And so, I was telling him about how much I enjoy spending this time with these homeless people and that I'm hearing their stories and that I'm helping them and they're always very happy to see me and I'm happy to see them and I get to see them smile and I feel like I'm helping and changing lives. Yeah. And this blows my mind because I just got done telling him how important this is to me and then he right away said, those panhandlers around Temple Square are bringing down the property values and making that place look trashy. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is insight into what your dad cares about. Yes. And appearances. I, oh, totally appearances. And I said, Dad. Oh, then he said, this is all coming back to me. He said, well, you know, every time I walk out of my office, this is when he worked the church office building, which is right there near Temple Square. Every time I walk out of my office, I see these people out there with their signs saying, oh, we'll work for food, hungry. And I say, hey, come on, uh, I'll go grab your burger. And they'd say, no, no, I just want your money. They're not hungry. They just want money. They, they should just go out and get a job. 
And I said, Dad, there's no way that you offer every homeless person <laughs> to go with you and get a cheeseburger. No way. You're making it up. And I'm sorry. A lot of them, if you did offer them a cheeseburger, they'd say, yeah, let's go get a cheeseburger. Yeah, a so you, you're you full of it. Well, no, they they make plenty of money and they need to just, you know, really? not be on their, I'm not going to give them money because they're just going to go buy beer with it. Uh-huh. And I say, Dad, if the only thing that will make their day brighter that day is that is they can beer? have a beer, I'm going to buy them the beer. I'd want a beer too if I was I know. Homeless. I'm not homeless and I want a beer. <laughs> like right now, talking about this. I can go get you one. Yeah. And so it's this judgment of you're not living your life how I think you should so I'm not going to help you Mm. and I heard the same shit from Brent's parents back when we were leaving the church and I was volunteering at the Lamb Center and they would have all these conversations about how, oh, you know, his brother Jared was like, yeah, I remember talking to this one homeless guy. He just said he liked being homeless. He just didn't want to have to pay the government. So he just panhandles and, he, you know, he gets to live scot-free. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and even if this is a true story, why would you pick the one person out of however many yeah. and act like these people are choosing to be homeless because they don't want to have any responsibilities? It's bullshit. I know these people. They don't want to be this way. You can't do a survey of one and say that's the voice of everybody in that group. Well, that's what you do if you want if you want that to be your cause. Uh-huh. And I know that at Round Temple Square, there are signs, again, saying don't give to panhandlers. Mm. Yeah. Good for Mormons. Mormons, you guys kick ass. I'm so glad you built that big-ass mall instead of, you know. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to get some mail if there's any Mormons listening because the Mormon church just donated some money to build some homeless something or another. Oh, okay. And they're going to want to pat themselves on the back. And I say, yes, great start. Yeah, how long did it take for that to happen? Well, that's the thing. Them putting in the money to build a homeless shelter is like if I passed a homeless guy and gave him a penny. Uh, right. Said, here you go, bro. Because the Mormon church had so much money, they could solve homelessness in America. Yeah. And they don't. They build big, spacious buildings, and they keep collecting people's tithing, and they decide, okay, and you know what? And maybe this is just me being super negative. I wouldn't be surprised if the reason that they built these homeless buildings or whatever it is that they did was just for the tax break. They're probably making so much damn money. Ah, yeah. That they need to stay under a certain amount to still be Mm -hmm. um, like a a non-profit or or religious. I don't know. Don't quote me. I could be wrong, but I'm probably not. Yeah, I know you brought up tithing again. Can we talk about that tithing story that we heard this past week? Oh, God, yeah. That these friends of yours that will remain nameless Mm -hmm. who hadn't, given tithing in a while. Yeah, so you want me to tell the... Yeah, you tell the story. So a friend of mine and her husband, this is like three years ago, were already mentally checked out of the church, didn't believe any of it was true. It was total crap. But they were still going. They were still going because the husband's mom didn't know that they had left, that they didn't believe. Okay. Um, And it was going to break her heart. So they kept up with the lie. They would go to church from time to time. They weren't paying any tithing. So the guy... It was time for his eight-year-old to get baptized. And he's like, ugh, well, I, I have to baptize him because mom's coming down from wherever she lives. And she's, you know, we she's have to, expecting a she's baptism. expecting a baptism. So we have to maintain status quo. So he goes in to talk to the bishop about the baptism. The bishop's like giving him, you know, are you a full tithe payer? Saying like, you have to be temple worthy in order to baptize. Which, by the way, I don't think that's a rule. But some bishops, for some reason, feel like you should not be allowed to perform ordinances if you are not temple worthy. Oh, and so, you can't go to the temple unless you're all paid up. That's right. So here we go again with this bishopric roulette. Some bishops are fine <laughs> With a dad baptizing the kid as long as he has the priesthood, even if he's not temple worthy. They're okay with that. But this family lost on Bishop Roulette. <laughs> Which is said, such a great phrase. I wish I wish we'd gotten that into the uh, fucked up Mormon phrase of the day. God, is it too it. late? We can backtrack. Okay. <laughs> Cue the music. Cue the music. It's the fucked up Mormon phrase of the day. 
Uh, yeah, so they told him, you may baptize him, but you haven't paid tithing and you need to back pay tithing. That's so crazy. So he had to back pay tithing in the thousands of dollars wow. in order to get permission to baptize his son into a church that he didn't believe in uh-huh. just so that he wouldn't disappoint his mom. Why couldn't he just pay his mom like the thousands of dollars? <sighs> I don't know. And so many people get trapped in this religion because of the guilt and shame, and I hate it. I wish everyone who didn't believe could just walk away and wipe their hands clean of it, and their family who stays will just let them go. Yeah, or just say, you know what? Sorry, family. It's too bad that you don't love this, but I'm going to live my life. Yeah. I won't do this, but I've had these weird thoughts at times when I think about my parents that, you know, when my dad is someday on his deathbed, that just to make him happy, I'll say, hey, dad, guess what? I'm coming back to church. Why? Just to make him smile and feel good. No. I won't, but I have these (laughs) thoughts so you can see how deeply rooted this thing is. So how does that benefit you to tell somebody else something that makes them feel good when you feel like shit about it? (sighs) I don't know. It's this thing of like... I don't know, just still not wanting them to be disappointed. And I hate that I'm 40 fucking four. And I still want my parents to be proud of me. But the only way I can do that is sell out and go back to the thing that practically destroyed me. Yeah. Oh, Shelly. And why don't we have wine in the closet? <laughs> closet wine. We need closet wine. I'm not even like drunk and I'm crying. God damn it. <laughs> oh, baby, I'm sorry. Because I just know, like, I know that if I were to go to my parents and say, wow, I really messed up. I'm coming back to church. They would be happier than I, you have ever seen a person in your life. Oh, yeah. They'd kill the fatted calf. They sure would. Bible reference. Yeah. They sure would. So I do. I understand why people stay for their parents. Yeah. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to be the black sheep. Hey, it's not fun. It is not a comfortable feeling being the black sheep of the family. Yeah. I get it. It's not comfortable. Yeah, it sucks. Sucks ass. Sucks that you have to be in that position, that you got to take that on just to live a truthful life. Yeah. It's horrible. And I know people can relate. You're not alone. For sure. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Do we have any funny story to tell? <laughs> Let me think. Whew. Well, we're on this topic of parents and what your parents think of you, etc. Mm-hmm. We had left off with your story of leaving the church. I think your dad's reaction, rather, to you yeah. coming out of the church. And yeah. something about Kate Kelly. So, Kate Kelly lived out here. She was one of the people who was wanting the church to give the priesthood to women, basically getting more equal rights for women in the church. Mm-hmm. Church didn't like it, so they excommunicated her. Yeah. Typical church thing. Sure. Don't like something, you're gone. Yeah. And it made big news. It made big Mormon news. It was a very big deal because she had started this this big organization that was having a lot of push with the women wanting to have the priesthood. And it was very divisive in the church. And... I didn't actually know where I stood there just because I was already kind of leaving the church. So I didn't care that much Mm because I was on my way out. It didn't matter to me whether or not they gave the priesthood to anyone. It's just fake anyway. Okay. (laughs) But I remember my dad, again, when they were out, he said, oh, so did you hear the news about that Kate Kelly? She lives out out in the stake next year, right? And I said, yeah. Well, she finally got what was coming. Mm. I said, what do you mean, Dad? Well, she got excommunicated. That's what happens. I said, what? What do you mean that's what happens, Dad? Well, that's what happens when you don't do what's right. 
said, mm. do, do what's right according to who, Dad? Right. But he just kept saying, that's what happens when you don't do what's right. That's what happens when you don't follow the way. Right. Like, what way, Dad? Well, that's what happens when you don't follow the prophet. He finally said it. That's what happens when you don't follow the prophet. And I've said this before. I didn't leave the church because of being offended by what people have said to me, but the people being jackasses made it a whole lot easier for me to leave faster. Yeah. And so this realization that my dad, who I had kept up on this pillar of spirituality, was just so judgmental and and mean. Mm -hmm. And I said, Dad, why are you happy that she got excommunicated? I'm sure that really hurt her. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. You know, cut out the cancer. Good. He was excited that she got excommunicated. Because it's like, how dare this woman rise up? Let's take the vote away from women, too. Yes. And he was (laughs) celebrating and so happy that she got excommunicated, not even thinking for a second. That you're a woman and how it would affect you. He didn't care. But (laughs) my point, not considering at all how it might have made her feel. Right. I know a few people who have been excommunicated and it really hurt them, felt like their their community turned on them. Of course it feels so for that my, way. Yeah, so for my right dad to celebrate this was just, is this really the attitude of, of Mormons is celebrating hurting people? And I, I, I heard the same celebration coming from my in-laws. I heard the same celebration coming from other very staunch Mormons. And it's like, who are these people? That revel in someone else's upset Hurt. or yeah. their misery. She didn't want to be excommunicated. She didn't want to leave the church. She wanted to change something in the church. Yeah. And because she wanted to change something, they kicked her out. Just like Sam Young wanting to protect the children in the church from being molested and abused and damaged. Yeah. And did they listen to him? No. They kicked him out. Right. They excommunicated him. They cut him off from God, at least they think they did in their mind, mm-hmm. because he dared to stand up and say, hey, let's stop hurting children. Your father was probably happy about that, too. Probably. I don't know. I tried bringing Sam Young up to him a few times, and he was like, "Just a, uh, he's just angry. He's just angry. <laughs> Damn right he's angry, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, your dad just accepts Anything out of anybody's mouth that's above him in the Mormon church. Absolutely. Carte blanche. Just accepts it all. Yep. And the other thing about this Kate Kelly incident in particular is, to me, your father stands out as somebody who's very anti-woman. For sure. Very anti-woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, women wanting rights in the church? Well, fuck that. Yeah. She got what was coming to her. Yep. How dare she stand up for women? Yep. Going back to your... (laughs) Wanting to uh, have communication with your family. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's pretty damaging stuff, Shelley. I know. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm really not. It's just oh, I know. sounds really damaging yeah. to me. Yeah, I guess you just can't change them and it sucks. I know. I get it. I went into a therapy. I remember uh, there was an incident. Let's just say. So I came out at 19, and mm-hmm. then it was so horrific, I went back in the closet, as far as my mom was concerned, yeah. for 10 more years. Mm-hmm. It was out to everybody else except mm-hmm. for my mother. And then tw- at 29, I remember I had moved to a larger apartment, okay. and she felt like that entitled her to come visit me for Thanksgiving. She already bought like she bought a plane ticket without even discussing it with me, which mm-hmm. is really uncharacteristic for her to do that, but that's what she did. And I found out about this. And I wrote her an, a letter, not even an email, but a letter. And I said, we would love to have you for Thanksgiving. Please know that I will be celebrating it with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she wrote me back a two-line email. Obviously, I will not be coming for Thanksgiving. 
And who or what convinced you it was moral to be a lesbian? Oh, God. So I was 29, and I got this email. That's fantastic. Yeah. Eesh. I've never forgotten it. Mm-mm. I went into therapy almost immediately yeah. to deal with, just deal with my feelings about my mother mm-hmm. and just the trauma there yeah. and just feeling unloved, right? right? And unaccepted, yeah. the whole thing. And every week I would go into my therapist and say, my mother, blah, blah, blah. And then she said this and blah, blah, blah. And she'd say, Mary, you can't change your mother. Mm-hmm. And she said other stuff. Sure. But that was the, the gist of it. Mm-hmm. And the next week I'd go in and be like, but she's so frustrating and I can't talk to her and blah, blah, blah. And she makes me feel, Mary, you can't change your mother. Again, yeah. there was other stuff to it. Finally, one day I was like, hey, I I can't change my mother. Yeah. It like a light bulb went off in my brain. And I realized I can't change her. I can only change me. I can only change the way I view this situation. I can change the way I react to this situation. Mm-hmm. I can set my own boundaries and be steadfast with them. Yeah. I do the changing and how I approach my mother. And it sunk in. Finally, it took two years mm-hmm. for that message to sink in. Wow. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. She can still, you know, with the right insult, she can floor me still. Yeah. But I've gotten a lot better about it. Good. And uh, I don't know if there's advice in there anywhere, but that's just my story. Well, I liked it. And I'm sharing. Mm-hmm. Just sharing with you and Thanks our listeners. Sharing. Sure. I know. I want you to share more. I feel like I take over a lot. But you have great stories as well, Mary. You have you have a life over there. Do I? Yes. With me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> that's a line from Beaches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, mm-hmm. man. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap it up. Yeah. Got a little heavy again. That's okay. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell I'll tell just a short story of, of my son, Philip, the one who's going to be in prison someday because he <laughs> complains about everything. Went over to get them to school one morning. Went downstairs. Went over to, to Brent's house to get them. They live with him, and I, I get them to school. And um, he's in bed, doesn't want to get up. I'm like, Philip, come on, buddy. You got to get up. You, you got to get going. He says, ugh. School gets in the way of everything. <laughs> well said, kid. <laughs> well said, kid. School does get in the way it of everything. Does. Oh, what a drag. I know. The best thing about school for me was just that it changed every semester. I really uh, enjoyed the change of it. Yeah. No, he's in elementary school. Well, it doesn't change. <laughs> he's not in college. He's yet. a second grader. And he's telling me that <laughs> it school gets, better, kid. gets in the way of everything. <laughs> he's got it rough, clearly. He's got a shitty life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sucks to be Philip. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, there you have well, it. Well, all right. So, is there more to this leaving the church story? Have you left the church yet? No, there's not. I think maybe. All right, here's what I'm writing. So, this was episode 16. I'm making notes. Episode 17. We are focusing on leaving the church. Watch this. Leaving. Yeah, get out of there already, would you? The church. I know we always have so much other stuff we want to talk about. And when we read the listener emails, they just inspire a lot of feelings and conversations and stuff. But we will start episode 17 with leaving the church. Yeah, get out of there already. Trying. Okay, we'll pick it up next time. So more to come. And remember, steer clear of cults because they are no joke. No joke at all. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.